Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's always a pleasure to have you every day as we meet to read the Word and get the Word of God. I'm Tim Gostube, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Today we are taking lesson four of our study of the book of Corinthians. We are taking Corinthians chapter one. We're still in chapter one. Today we'll be taking verse 18 to verse 25. Before we start, it is always good that we pray and seek God's guidance. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray, we come before you. We seek your guidance as we read your word. May your Holy Spirit, God, uh, help us to get what you are saying to us through this word. Uh, may our minds be captured by your word. Give us the focus in it. Help me, God, and help the listener in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I will be reading from the NIV from verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Now, I will first discuss, uh, I will take it verse by verse on what the word or what God is revealing here as we read. We'll start with verse 18. The Bible says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. Now, what is the message of the cross? It is the redemption story. This is the redemption story. It's the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he came on earth. We're talking of the incarnation, God himself becoming man and living among us. That's another, it's, it's, it's a mystery on its own, but it's the whole redemption story, story involves that. It involves the life of Jesus Christ, the miracles that he did, but it also involves his death on the cross, his crucifixion, how he rose from the dead and how he ascended to heaven, the victory over death and a redeeming man from sin. So when he says the message of uh, the message of the cross, it means this whole redemption story. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. Now, what is foolishness? If you read from the Amplified Version, it uh, when it comes to foolishness, it has in brackets that this is absurd or something that illogical is something that is not as we can interpret it. It's illogical. If something is illogical, it's not as 
we think or it cannot be comprehended, uh, it cannot be followed. So the people who are foolish or who are perishing, they actually cannot understand the message or the redemption story. It's a very detailed story. We will get to know what Paul was actually talking about here because he's talking to the Corinthians. It's a community of believers who are living in a cosmopolitan area, an area of educated people where there are some philosophers and highly educated people. And actually, these people had a culture. So the context is bringing the message. He's bringing it to that kind, to, to, to a kind of people who have a culture and have some beliefs, a way of belief. It will be revealed as we go on. So the the message of the cross, the redemption story, is illogical. Now, it's saying to those who are perishing, please note that this is in continuous sense. It's not that to those who perish, but who are still perishing, they are perishing these people. Now, how does it mean when you say uh, people are perishing? It means that if you read the, the, first, the second book of Ephesians chapter 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and your sins. You, are, you were dead. So these people are perishing. They are dying. If you read, uh, uh, if you know uh, John 3, verse 16, the common verse, it says that uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, in him should not die or should not perish, but have eternal life, should not perish. What is the perishing? Is the life of sin, a life of, of, the, uh, of, of transgression. Paul, uh, Ephesians, if Ephesians 2, verse 1, re- defines it as a life of transgressions where you were in sin. You are dead. So if you are a person who is not saved, you are perishing. It's an ongoing process. So the message of the cross to these people who do not have Christ, who have not accepted Christ, actually it is foolishness. It's illogical. It doesn't make sense. It's it's just uh, something that is unreasonable. That the message of the cross. So he's saying the message of the cross is foolishness to those who perish. But to us who are being saved, again he's talking us about something that is continuous, which are uh, which is being saved. So it's an ongoing process. In other words, it's not something that is already complete. I want to explain what we what we how actually salvation works. It's in three folds. Here we can say there is you are saved, which is justification. You are being saved, which is sanctification. And to be saved, which is glorification. If I can talk of the first one, which you are saved, which is justification. When you talk of justification, it is, is the right standing with God. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, come into an, uh, to my heart and make me what you want me to be. Uh, I accept you as Lord and Savior. You are justified. You are in the legal, right legal standing with Christ. If you read Romans 3 verse 26, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to to be just and that and the ones who justify sorry and the ones who justifies those who have faith 
in Jesus Christ. So those who have faith in Jesus Christ are justified. They are put in the right standing with God. In other words, there is nothing now to pay for their sins or for the debt of sin. They have been justified. They are legally right with God. So that's the issue of salvation, of being saved, justification. It's instant. instant. It happens immediately. You accept the Lord Jesus Christ. You just get to the right stand with God. Now, there is the second part of salvation, Paul, which he is talking about, those who are being saved. We are talking of sanctification. What is sanctification? This is uh, something, is a process that begins because we said justification begins at salvation, immediately you are saved, and it ends there. You are just made at the right standing with God. But if you're talking about sanctification, it begins after regeneration, after you have been born again, you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is a progressive uh, process that continues throughout your Christian life until you die. When you die, then it comes to an end. That is glorification. Uh, sorry, not glor- glorification is the last one. That's sanctification. It is the life of Christianity. As you grow with Christ, some things you stop doing. If you read the Bible in the book of First John chapter 3, verse 19, it says, verse 9 says, it says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. They cannot continue sinning. So it is the life of ending those uh, bad practices. It is a life where you actually grow in Christ. The things that you used to do, you stop doing. Uh, Some of them, they are not eliminated instantly. You are saved. They remain with you. But as you read the Bible and as you receive the preachings and the message of the gospel, you tend to say, oh, what I've been doing is wrong, and you stop doing it. It is the life of purification. You are sanctified each and every day, and you grow in it as you read the Word of God and as you listen or you obey the leadership of the Holy Spirit, because it is the Holy Spirit that will tell you that what this you are doing, it is not right. Some of these things actually are not written as laws in the Bible, as the Bible says that the Spirit gives us guidance to things that are actually not even in in the scripture it is the holy spirit so as you listen or obey the holy spirit you get to understand your life and your purpose and you remove some of the things in your life so you are made more like christ that's why we're seeing that God make me Lord to grow in knowing you such that I can be more like Christ. So you are growing in the Lord. You are becoming more and more. And it is until we mature in Christ. So we keep on growing. Some of our habits, we stop them as we continue our journey in Christianity. Now, as we continue, we see now the last part, which is glorification. Glorification, which is the last part of our redemption story, uh, which is uh, when Jesus Christ, uh, when our bodies are changed or they are they they. It changes of the believer's body to the resurrected bodies. That is the glorification. That's the end of our salvation when we have been glorified. In other words, where the dead rise in Christ, those who are alive, those are the ones that are going to be transformed to the uh, uh, to the resurrected bodies. If you read Romans three verse uh, thirty, it says, "And those he predestined, 
he also called those he called he also justified those he justified he also glorified so as he justified them and as he sanctified us and then he will also glorify us so those are the three parts of uh, our salvation so if paul is saying in this bible in this verse that we are reading but to those who are being saved it is the people who are in the sanctification process who are still alive and those who are dead and those who are waiting for the glorification of their bodies those people the power of the gospel or the power of the cross is the is the power of god now, further, the power, and then it says, it's the power of God. The power of God, uh, Paul's, if you, Paul, if you read, uh, maybe let's read this one uh, directly from the Bible. If you look uh, uh, in Romans chapter 1 and you read verse 16, the Bible talks about the power of the gospel. If it reads like this, uh, verse 16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of of God for salvation to everyone. It is the power for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel, the good news of salvation, the whole redemption story, it is the power of God. It is the power of God. Now, let us uh, continue. If you read now, uh, verse 19, it says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. This is something, it's a text that is quoted from the book of Isaiah, chapter 29, verse 14. So Paul is just taking that, uh, that quotation to, uh, to align or to support his view on what he's saying here. Now, he's saying, where is the, the wise? Where is the scribe? or the teacher, or the philosopher, where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Paul is not asking because they are not there, but he wants to address their view, which is what we will see below. Where are they? What is their saying? What do they believe in? I want to address this issue. Now, he's saying, he actually want to address that their understanding of God or their wisdom is actually something that is uh, fully something that is that cannot make them know God, because the way they understand things and they view things, it is not how God works when it comes to salvation. Now he says in verse twenty-one: For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know Him, God was pleased through the foolishness of that which was preached to save those who believe. Paul now uh, talks about salvation as the wisdom of God. He presents the whole redemption story as the wisdom of God. And then he's saying the world did not know God. Now I want to talk about the wisdom of this world. Because this is where he's going to broaden his uh, talk in, in verse uh, 22. Now he's talking about the, 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 the Greeks and the, 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 the Jews. But I want to talk about the wisdom of this world. Now, if he's talking about this, world, uh, this wisdom, it is 
wisdom is, is the way we understand things. Actually, it's just the, the understanding, the deep knowledge of whatever we do. I want to bring it uh, home uh, in the way we live as Africans, if I can talk in the African context. We, it is those wise people who will tell you that as Africans, we believed in these things, and this is what we've always been believing in God. Our ancestors believed in this. It is, they tell you, and you regard that as wisdom. We have always had a relationship with God through whatever this, through our ancestors. It has always been there, and that is the worldly wisdom wisdom. That's the wisdom that they have because they hold on to it. If you get to the wisdom of the Jews, let me just uh, talk about it. Let me first, I'll just go to verse uh, 22 so I can explain clearly what I'm saying in verse uh, 21. Now, if you're talking about the wisdom of the Greeks or the the Greeks looking for wisdom, the Greeks also referring to the Gentiles in that context of the Corinthians. These were, it was as as a cosmopolitan area with people who are educated. There were those who were educated and those who were uneducated. I'll say those who are uneducated, they believe in a God who changed and uh, actually deal with the different the issues of human as they are, 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 were there. But those who are educated, they do not believe in a God who do take who will change and also they do not believe in a God who was physical. They did not believe in that. So they had their own philosophy of understanding God, that God is this. It was their understanding as Greeks. If you continue, they believed in dualism. Actually, they say their main belief was in uh, in, in Plato, in uh, philosophy and Aristotle. Uh, they are their philosophy so they believed in that in those things it was their teaching note that these are things that it was their culture it had been tra- tra- transcended uh, cascaded from generation to generation so it was part of their life they understood this uh, this uh, philosophy it has been their teaching their parents taught them that maybe in their synagogues they were taught that and they did not believe what uh, Paul was bringing which was the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ they believe in dualism if you're talking of dualism in the context of the of the human body they believed in the body and the spirit and they believed that the spirit was uh, so holy it could not uh, live in the in a dirty human body so salvation would be something that will occur when somebody dies when somebody dies then he would be in a position that he would be made holy that is what they believe. It was something that they believed in. So they believed in the different uh, teachings. Hence, actually, they also believed that Jesus Christ could have not come. God could not bring a spirit that is dirty to live on this earth uh, with human beings. The ho- sorry, the Holy Spirit or the soul. Uh, Jesus' uh, spirit could not come in this earth and live with us. In other words, they did not believe in incarnation. That's why if you read the Bible in 1 John chapter 4, verse 2 to 3, uh, the writer of the book of John, John is crushing this, theo- this philosophy of believing that uh, uh, this philosophy of a different spirit and a different body Yes, they are different, but he was crushing that ideology that they cannot live on this earth and they cannot be 
Jesus Christ cannot be a, a true a son of God. He cannot come on from heaven as a holy God and live in a human body. It have a soul. God could not allow a soul to live in a body, in a dirty body. So they did not believe the whole issue of salvation. So First John chapter four verse three says, "This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh." Is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have had is coming and even now is already on the world on the world. So that was the spirit, the teachings that were different, that did not accept the whole incarnation uh, issue. So that was what they believe in the Greeks. These are things that we actually have today that we believe in. You see, it's some things that we, 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 we believe. There are many things that people are saying when it comes to the issue of the soul and spirit. Some they believe that as a human being, you there is absolutely no salvation. Why we actually, our teachings sometimes question why God would allow the devil to, to, to torment the people on earth. Why God did this uh, when we die? This is what happened. Our ancestors, they died and they, now they are interceding for us before God. All those are, are beliefs that we have in today's world. This is today's worldview. In the African context, we believe in the ancestors. And some people argue that uh, 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 we cannot be saved by a, a, a person who died in Israel trial or somebody who is there uh, who is white actually it comes to to that that this is a white person and it's just a jewish boy some they say that there's quite a lot that are blasphemous statements that i say about the lord jesus christ about the whole redemption story because human beings have always questioned the issue of salvation so Paul, that is the, the Greek wisdom. That is what they believed in. Now, if you come now to the Jews, these were people, he's talking about Jews wanting a sign. The Jews, they wanted a sign. Now, let's get down to the signs. Uh, th- these people, they want some miracles. They focus on the outward, outward performances that indicate the faithfulness of God. They wanted to see the miracles. These were people who believed and they were committed to doing the Torah, which is uh, the law of Moses. They wanted to do everything that was in the law of Moses. They believed in circumcision. They believed in, believed in the Sabbath observation and keeping the law and all the different festivals. Uh, that Those are the signs of God. They they wanted something that is tangible, that asserts that this is God. The circumcision, the circumcision had to be maintained to ascertain that we are the people who belonged to God. That is what they believed in. The Jews, they believed in that. Now, they wanted even the issue of salvation that it cannot be just that we have just believed and we are saved like that. What is the evidence that we have been saved? Moses uh, teaching was that of circumcision at least that's a sign that we have God we are, we are now belonging to God what is the sign that now we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and we have salvation we have been saved you just say we should believe what is there for us to prove that now we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as I'm preaching to you here I don't have any certificate in terms of that I have a certificate for going to heaven that I'm a Christian there's absolutely nothing I'm just preaching by faith 
I'm telling you that there is heaven. It's by faith. There is Jesus Christ by faith. That's the foolishness of the gospel. It's illogical that somebody will accept and say, I have the Lord Jesus Christ in my heart and I have eternal life. It's illogical. What is it that you have? Paul is talking about that. So some people even today, what is the evidence that you are going to heaven as you claim to be a Christian. Where is this Jesus Christ? It's common today. Everybody is talking on TikTok. Some they are putting it on, 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 on Facebook. They are putting it on, on YouTube and different, and different uh, social medias arguing the, the, the logic of the whole uh, redemption story. It's not something that is new today. And to us, we are Africans. I know Africans have actually uh, put this under race, that we, we, the, the, the white gospel, uh, whatever it is. One of the statements that is said is that even though Jesus Christ was a Jew, his message was not Jewish. His message was pure. And I'm surprised that even in the time of, of, of Paul, as he preached Jesus Christ, just the pure Jesus Christ, there was also this misunderstanding because they wanted the sign and the philosophers, they wanted the proofs. If you talk of Greeks, if you've done statistics, you'll know what we're talking about when we talk about philosophers. Those Greeks, in terms of statistics, those, they know their game. You have to prove, uh, using those thetas, those rows, mathematics, prove this is like this. It's philosophy. They believed in proving things. This is it. This is it. And their philosophy, God cannot do this, cannot have the spirit and the body. Uh, Christ could not come. That is what they, they believe. Even today, unfortunately, that is where we are. So he's saying, that is, uh, let me say all that I've just said, that is human understanding. That is human wisdom. That is human wisdom. The whole issue of ancestry, if I can talk of the African context, of believing that our grandparents are now our ancestors and we want to believe to them, in them. And actually, there are those people who are saying uh, we want to have our, the religion our parents had uh, because there is evidence of it. Those are the philosophies and the science and the human wisdom that because those beliefs have been based on people understanding and their way of, of doing things. Now, when Paul came to preach the gospel, he just, that's why he's saying I presented Christ. He did not want Christ to be aligned or inclined to the philosophy, which is logical, and the science that the Jews want. So, Jesus Christ, you just accept him. There is nothing that you can say is evidence. And the issue of salvation, seriously speaking, is not logical. You can never know how it happens. If you talk of justification, you never know how it happens. Now you, the Bible says you are now a child of God. What has happened? That's why Nicodemus wanted to understand it logically. That do I have to go back to my mother's womb? He wanted to understand it logically. But that's not God, how the issue of salvation works. Now he says, For since the wisdom of the world did not know God through this wisdom, so all these people, all these things that they are trying does not make them know God. What does, do we mean when we say it does not make them God? We are saying that they, it cannot make them intimate with God. They cannot have that personal relationship with God. Their wisdom, their understanding, their philosophy, their demand for signs and 
we as Africans, our demands to maintain our, our religion and we want to keep what has been said, done by our parents and those ceremonies and everything that we think uh, maintains our relationship. It's human wisdom and unfortunately that human wisdom and knowledge does not make us know God. It does not make us know God. It does not make us know God. That is what Paul is saying. It, makes, it does not make us know God. Now, if we continue here reading, uh, if you read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 22, uh, verse 2, Paul is emphasizing that Jesus Christ, uh, I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He wanted to present the, the, the gospel, that Jesus Christ is the way. That is how we have to understand the whole redemption story. There's nothing you have to hold on into or whatever to seek. Just believe. As the preachers of the gospel preach that you have to believe and you are saved, you accept Jesus Christ, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. There's nothing more you need. There's no miracle. Maybe you, you need to fall. No, there's nothing. So all our human ways cannot make us know God. Now he continues and say, if you, because we have talked about it uh, in verse 22 where it says, For Jews and demand signs and Greeks uh, seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness or fully to the Gentiles. That's the gospel. Paul just wanted to present Christ as pure as he is, without any logic. He crucified. He just sorry. He preached Jesus Christ as crucified. He's assuring them that the message of the cross is just pure. He says it is a stumbling block. It is because it provokes their opposition. When Paul says, "You just everybody, even the Gentiles now can be saved without some uh, uh, circumcisions." The Jews, the circumcision. The Jews are angry about that. Who is this boy? What is he saying? What we know is that everybody who has a relationship with God, for you to be regarded as a Jew, you have to be circumcised. What does it mean? He says, you can be saved without circumcision. And the, the philosopher said, what does it mean when he say we're just saved? What is the proof? Does it mean Jesus Christ really came here on earth, lived on this dirty earth? We believe that he cannot be. That cannot be. That is what they believed in. So that is why it says it provokes them. It provoked the Jews and the Greeks. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, if you read the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works, sorry, for we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to to his purpose. Now, I know that the issue of being called by purpose is something that is controversial to some people. Because if you say, but to those whom God has called, others argue that are there special people that were predestined to be saved? Are there people that were called and those who were not called? I want to explain this. The calling is everybody is called. 
Everybody is called to salvation. All those who are called. That's why, that's why he talks of Jews and Greeks. Actually, when he talks of the Jews, the Greeks is talking also of the Greeks or of the Gentiles, which includes us. So the calling is there for everyone to be saved. So the calling is for everyone, every human being who hears the word of God. Everybody is called to the salvation. So, but to those who God has called, both Jews and, and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the, and the wisdom of God. So the issue of the redemption story is the wisdom of God. It is wisdom of God. Now, no, there is the, Paul is talking of the human wisdom. Which is the philosophers philosophy of the of the Greeks, and then there is also the the demand for science by the Jews, and for us as Africans is the demand to maintain our our African religion and how things have been and the logic we want in 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 the whole uh, uh, redemption story we want things that are classified and that can be proven, but that is we regard as humans as wisdom. That is the we regard as human, as wisdom. And then we think that the whole redemption story, which is presented by the Bible, which is the issue of just believing in Jesus Christ and Jesus came on earth as God, the Father as God, 100% God and 100% man, because that's another argument that he could not come 100% God and 100%. That's the foolishness according to us, because it doesn't make sense. According to us, in our logic, in our understanding, we cannot comprehend it and therefore regard it as foolishness. And the whole redemption story, to those who have not accepted it, is still, who are perishing, is still something that is foolish. It doesn't make sense. Those Christians are just playing. It's nothing. There is nothing like salvation. That's what you can argue and what they argue. But this thing that we regard as foolishness, that's God's wisdom. So, in other words, this thing that we say is foolishness is above our understanding, our comprehension, our little minds. They cannot comprehend it. So, we just classify it as something that is foolish. Unfortunately, that is God's wisdom. It's, it's, too, it's, it's, it's just God's wisdom. That's why he says... In, in, the, in the last verse, verse 21, 25, for the foolishness of God. So for the foolishness of God, what we regard as foolish, the issue of the, the whole redemption story, is wiser than man. Because that is God's wisdom. It is wiser than man. Than man. So God, the redemption story, the redemption story is his wisdom and we can't comprehend it. We regard it as foolish. So in other words, it's above us. So he's saying, what we regard, the verse, if I can read it in the way it is, I understand it is that for what human beings regard as foolish, which is God's wisdom, is wiser than men that of men and the weakness of christ is stronger than human beings if we talk about the witness of uh, of christ maybe if we can talk the wisdom of god as defined in verse 24 it's something that links with the first verse that we read uh, when we talk about the issue of the cross now he's also talking of the weakness of god the weakness of core of god is when jesus christ experienced death at the cross 
the weakness of God is stronger than that of the man. What he experienced is stronger than human strength. In what way? In that as they, the Jews, as they claim that they've got victory over uh, his teaching of Jesus' uh, teaching, where he was actually in his weakest point, that was the strongest point of God's wisdom. That was the strongest point. That's where we got our redemption. That's where we got our salvation. It, when Jesus Christ was at his physically weakest point, beaten and hanging on the cross, when they thought they've done it, it was his weakest point in, in terms of humanity, of the human body. He was the weakest point. He actually, he was uh, forsaken by the Father. But that was the strongest point where we got our redemption. That is where the whole redemption story came to completion and it was activated. And that's the strongest part. Actually, that's the greatest thing that ever happened to reconcile human beings with God. So Paul, this, 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 this passage is very, very uh, deep because it proves that the whole ideology of humanity that they argue to be wise, these different religions that we have, these different preachings that we regard as wisdom, and the whole logic actually that has been done by philosophies first in trying to explain what happens to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He just wants us to understand that we understand that as wisdom. Unfortunately, that wisdom does not make us to know God. It is only what we regard as foolishness, which is, which is not logical, doesn't make sense, that will make us to know God. So you just need to accept Jesus Christ, accept the Bible as it says, that you believe and you have faith in Jesus Christ. And those who believe in him, they have eternal life. And those who don't, they won't have it. So there is nothing that is there that has to be great. As we, uh, as we conclude... We say, the message of the cross of Jesus Christ is not on human wisdom, which is based on culture and our understanding, but it is something that is based in faith and what the Bible says. Paul just preached Christ. Just have faith in him. There's no need for circumcision, no need to prove. We don't need to prove the whole redemption story. And we can't. Let's leave it to God. The other thing, Human customs and means of reaching God will make, not make us know God. The only thing that will make a person to know God is to accept the wisdom of God, which is our foolishness, which is salvation. Salvation started when we were saved, and it will be completed at glorification. That's why Paul is saying uh, we, we are being saved. It is the power of God. Now, now we understand what was happening here. Paul wants them to understand that all the cloud of what you know from your great-grandfathers and the greatest philosophers, please put it aside. It's time has come to an end. Just put it aside and accept what we're preaching, which is Jesus Christ. Even us today, there are lots of ideologies, religious practices, 
Because some of these things they they came to to describe to the Greeks and the Jews as culture. They they got it from their parents, as I've said. Some of our 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 beliefs as Africans or as human beings today, they are based on what we found. Our parents practicing. Some of them are church practices. Some of them are just general cultural ways of linking to God, and we think that is the way. The Bible says that does not make us to know God. What makes us to know God is to believe the message of the cross, which is the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the whole redemption story. It will make us to know Christ. Thank you for listening. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the whole redemption story. That is actually not logic. That we cannot reason or we cannot comprehend but the whole story you made it that it is a faith story just believe what you've been told as it is and we regard that as foolishness as human beings help us god to be wise enough to understand your wisdom which we regard as foolishness and god help us to accept the redemption story as it is through faith in the name of jesus christ help us to Help us, to, help us to move out of our cultural practices that are against your will. We ask all this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God willing, let's meet next time for Lesson 5 in the Book of Corinthians. 